Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well. And welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Uh, Back in July of 2021, the Biden administration expanded the child tax credit. But this expansion expired on December 31st of 2021. And so there's a lot of questions now on the impact that the loss of this uh, expanded credit will have on families. And so to help me understand this a little bit more and break this down, I'm joined by Lee Phillips, the president and CEO of Saver Life, which is a nonprofit that uses data and tech to help members save and also to push for better policies across the country. So, uh, Lee, thanks for joining me here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I wanted to jump in and ask you, what is some of the impact that you've seen that this child tax credit or the loss of this expansion of the child tax credit has had on working families? Families were receiving payments for the last six months of of 2021, um, and that was about $300 to $350 per child. What we were seeing is that those payments actually had a really stabilizing impact on family finances. So when we're looking at household income in the U.S., as you know, we can look at the the kind of the number, right? Like how much is the annual income of a, of a typical household? But what we don't always see is how volatile people's income and expenses really are. So um, what I mean by that is that not everybody gets a salary paycheck with the same dollar amount every two weeks, right? A lot of people work hourly wage jobs. A lot of people are employed in the gig economy. They're self-employed and incomes are, are volatile. They go up and down. We also know that expenses um, definitely recently have been on the rise, right? There's a lot of talk about inflation and other things. But even before that, things were expensive, right, for families. You think about childcare and and paying the bills, utilities, those types of things. So what we were seeing with the child tax credit when those monthly payments were going out was that families had more stability in their finances. So some of the outcomes that we were looking at were things like families were paying more of their utility bills in full and on time. So we're seeing increased payments towards utilities for people receiving the child tax credit compared to people who didn't receive that that tax credit. We also saw that savings balances remained relatively stable. So in the early days of the CTC, we saw savings balances go up. Then we saw that kind of stabilizing. So people were not making withdrawals, even though things have been getting more expensive. So over the last six months, we started to see that stabilizing impact on families. Now, what's um, unfortunate is because Congress did not pass the Build Back Better bill, which I'm sure everyone's been um, hearing about in the news and all the drama around that. Will they, won't they, right? Right up to the, the last minute in December, that meant that those, those payments have, have ended, that extension and expansion of the child tax credit has ended as of right now. So we'll see what happens, right? Anything could happen um, in the next few months. And we are fighting very, very hard for that expansion to be made permanent. So what we'll start to see and we'll be tracking over the next couple months is now what happens when people have lost those those payments. Most families that we talk to in our surveys knew that they were temporary. So in some ways, that's a good thing because we hope people weren't making major life changes based on thinking that these funds were going to be coming every month, you know, while their kids were under age 18. But what's really sad to me is that this was a a great experiment, right, in American financial stability. What can we do to help stabilize our households, particularly those with lower incomes? And what families and parents told us they would do if that money was made permanent, those monthly payments, was to focus on their kids' future. So almost 90% of families said that they would start investing in extracurricular activities, tutoring, other things to help their kids' education, and to start saving for their kids' education. So that really is where we would see those impacts if these credits were made permanent.
this was a very interesting experiment in looking at how providing more direct support to families with, especially those with lower income, the impact that has, because I think we see a lot where there's, you know, tax breaks and incentives given to corporations and, and the very wealthy, but oftentimes it doesn't make its way down to those mm-hmm. in the lower income brackets. So it was, it's fascinating to hear how giving direct aid to those families, direct, direct funds, uh, not making them wait until tax filing season, which is a long time to wait to feel the impact of that credit, how that has made uh, changes in these families' lives. So what is the connection exactly, though, when we look at the child tax credit itself? And then as we're approaching tax season, because we're recording this right now in February, a couple months away from the tax filing deadline, how is this all impacting these families, those who receive the credit and those that are kind of wondering if they're going to get it again in 2022? So you raised a couple of really important points. So the first one is that we give a lot of tax credits to rich people. If you think about the 401k uh, deductions, uh, mortgage interest rate deductions, all of those things are ways that we build wealth for upper middle class families, basically, in this country, because you have to have those types of assets and access to those types of things in order to benefit. You also have to have like a tax liability, right? Like, yes. So reducing your taxes is going to be a big deal for you. If you're a family uh, with a lower income, you're not paying that much in taxes. You may not have access to 401k. You may not have, you know, a lot of deductions and things. And even if you did, it wouldn't really make much difference to you because you're not reducing your tax liability. So that's really important to note, right? Like when we think about these things, oftentimes they get they get mischaracterized as giveaways to, to lower income people. But really, it's a way of, I think, giving equally to wealthy people and to lower income people, but yes. just in different in different ways. And I think that's really important. Typically, when we see people get those refund checks, what we observe is a lot of playing catch up. So people have gone into debt, right? In order to make ends meet, people have... Um, put money on, uh, put expenses on their credit cards. They may have fallen behind on bills. The other thing we see is people investing in things that maybe they couldn't afford throughout the year. Um, shockingly, those include things like, you know, medical care, dental care, things that maybe just were not in the monthly budget. So because people have fallen behind throughout the year because their, their income and their expenses just don't, don't match up, we usually see those credits being used primarily for families to catch up. So in our opinion, you're really losing what could be a great moment of economic mobility and wealth building if people were able to put those tax credits towards down payment on a home, kickstarting a college savings account, putting some money away for retirement. That's what we would like to see. But instead, what we see is people using that money to catch up, right? And so what was different about the child tax credit was because it was a little bit more money. The child tax credit has been around for many, many years, right? Everybody gets $2,000 per child, right? Regardless of um, of income and, and so on and so forth as a tax credit. But what was different this year was it's, it was extended and expanded and then they had those monthly payments. And that really meant the families weren't going to fall as far behind on their bills and on their other expenses and were able to to spend more money on the things they needed when they needed them, as opposed to having to wait for this kind of lump sum payment um, to play catch up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a big difference between having a stable flow of income during the, the course of the year 
or getting more money in one short period of time. It just, I think Mm -hmm. knowing you're behind all year has an additional psychological effect on top of the, the obvious monetary impact having to your household when you don't have that money. So I think it was uh, a really interesting twist to the child tax credit to, to push that out as a monthly payment versus making individuals wait. And I mean, this study had so much information and I wish I had time to ask you even more questions to dive deeper into the study. But if, if people want to learn more about the research that was done and, and the results of this study, uh, where can they go or if they just want to connect more with Save Life? So saverlife.org is the, the place where people can go and find out more about us and hopefully join Save Life and, and sign up. Uh, we're doing a lot of advocacy work, a lot of work right now to see if we can convince those in power here in Washington, D.C., that the, these child tax credits really are a critical lifeline for families. And, you know, beyond our own research, what we're seeing, um, what's being reported is that, you know, we're cutting child poverty in half. Like that was the impact of these payments. So absolutely significant for families and a real, you know, a real game changer for people. And I, and I really hope that if you're listening to this and you want to call your um, your congressperson or your senator and tell them that you want them to vote for the CTC, that would be a, a good thing to do. Well, thanks for providing some more insight into this. So hopefully people understand this a little bit better and how this worked and uh, give them a reason to, uh, to hopefully push for more change in the future. So thank you so much, Ali, as always, for joining me here on the podcast. And uh, hopefully I can have you back on again to talk about maybe the fact that this became a permanent thing. Thank you for having me and thank you for reporting on this really important issue. And thanks to all of you for joining me here for another episode. If you want to be a part of a future episode, you can send your questions to me over on Instagram by looking for Popcorn Finance Podcast, or you can email your questions to questions at popcornfinance.com. And this week's kernel is going out to an extremely talented listener. Her name is Jackie. She goes by Jackie P. Ramos on Instagram. She so kindly sent me a portrait that she drew. Let me just say, it's it's incredible. I'm I'm speechless. She is an incredible artist. I'm amazed by her work. Uh, If you want to check it out, I have it posted on my Instagram account right now, Popcorn Finance Podcast. Or more importantly, go check out Jackie's Instagram account. Uh, It's Jackie P. Ramos. And so that's J-A-K-I-P Ramos. Just the letter P and then R-A-M-O-S. Jackie, thank you so much for not only listening to the podcast, but for this amazing, amazing piece of art. As always, I appreciate you all joining me here for yet another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll talk to you soon. Your boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.